0: All right, good morning, good morning. We're glad you're here. Most importantly, I'm glad that you are getting into the presence of God. It fixes everything, doesn't it? Just getting with God will fix everything. It just fixes it. That's what He does. All right, well, we're going to start a new series this week leading up to Father's Day called Letters from a Father. This is my question to you Letters from a Father is the name of this series. My question. What is the most encouraging thing someone has ever said to you? What is the most encouraging thing? It may have been for a moment. It may be a, something that stuck with you for your entire life. What is it? My hope is that it came from one of your parents or a spiritual parent, but God has encouragement. For you from a father. He's the everlasting father, right? That's his nature. It's who he is in Isaiah. And we're going to study 1 John because in 1 John, it says little children are my little children more than any other book in the Bible. In fact, it says it more than the whole New Testament in a book that only has five chapters. It's over and over and over. And God is using John to speak fatherly blessing to speak encouragement to his people then and now throughout eternity. So I've got to set up all this history first and then we'll jump into our text. So John, it's about 90 AD. John is around 70 years old. This is The Apostle John, this is John who wrote five books of the New Testament, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and of course, Revelation. This is John who leaned his head next to Jesus at the Last Supper. This is the John who we think of in two ways, usually. We think of the young John at the Last Supper, or the really old John on the island of Patmos right in Revelation, right? That's usually when you think of John, you think of the real young kid, or you think of the real old guy. Well, what about the 50 years in between, right? What did he do? Well, he pastored most of those years. He was a pastor for most of those years, and that's why he's able to say, we don't know if he was married or not. It's very possible he was married and had children. But he was a spiritual father to many, which is why he writes so fatherly. In fact, when you think of fathers, you think of Paul But John was so fatherly in the way he spoke, so encouraging in the way he talked to his people, his congregation, and obviously his words here inspired by the Holy Spirit. So let me set this up. So John is about 70 writing uh, 1 John. This church or churches, I'll explain in a minute, uh, they already have the Gospels. He writes them in a way like, look, Jesus... Presupposing clearly they know Jesus as Savior, they have His gospel already, they already know the gospel. They probably have Matthew, Mark, um, and John, probably Luke also. So they clearly know the gospels, the church is rolling and it's going. And there's two places He could have written this to, and I want to show you this. The first one is an empire right next to Rome. Let me show you this picture right here. It's in the yellow there. So you can always think of the giant Roman Empire, but there were other ones also. So this is one particular location he could have written to. But the other location, this was strange uh, in theological circles. They're actually split down the middle. Normally, it's almost all theologians and then one or two who has like, a, this is an idea of a maybe. But they were split down the middle. So this is the first place that he wrote to the churches. And the second one is way almost on uh, at their time on the other side of the world. Let's see, look at the second picture. Is way over here in Asia Minor way on the other side in Asia Minor. Now, that's a much more familiar fi- picture because you see Ephesus and then the name of the churches and the name of the books of the Bible. And they're way far apart. I'll suppose to you this. I've got five kids. If the Lord... Did someone giggle at that? Do y'all feel sorry for me? Is that, we're going to pray for that poor, God, that poor guy. No wonder he's got just bags under his eyes. <laughs> If God speaks to you and shows you something, gives you great revelation, do you only tell one kid or do you want every one of them to know? I'll suppose this, that when John was writing, he was writing to his known world and that I believe that he had spiritual sons and daughters thousands of miles across the Across the Mediterranean all the way across the world. Even though empires had made fortified cities and blockades of the Roman Empire, God was greater. God was there and put his word in their hands. No matter what was going on with wars, empires, all of that small potatoes. We get so caught up in what's going on in the world. Let me tell you what's eternal and great. The word of the living God and his kingdom that will not end. Amen. So I want you to think about letters going out to children that he loves, that he loves so much. And where did he get this from? Where did this heart of the father come from, especially maybe if he didn't have his own children? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from where all of it comes from. We find it in John 13, 30 to 35. And it's actually on your screen it's in red, and I want to read to you. Why does he say little children nine times in a book with five chapters? Oh, it's redundant is what it is. If you're reading it just like as an English paper, it's like, wow, this is redundant. He does it on purpose. John thirteen thirty through 35. 31. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify himself immediately. What's verse 33 say? Little children. Now, why would Jesus say that to disciples and people that were considerably older than him? He was in his early 30s. Little children. I shall be with you a little longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, I want you to think about this. John is inspired by the Holy Spirit, getting ready to write 1 John. And the same exact Greek phrase in its unique comes into his spirit by the Spirit of God. I remember when Jesus said to me, little children. And I think that's when Revelation poured into him for what our text is today in 1 John. All right, so now we got the intro. We kind of understand what's going on. We see the history and the picture and all of this. Jesus said little children more than once. He also said it in Mark 10. So we're going to do something different as churches of old used to do. And when this church would have received this letter, 1 John, the first epistle, they would have stood at its reading. So I'm going to read John 1, 1-10, and then the first two verses of chapter 2, and we're all going to stand. Stand up, everybody. To honor the word, it will be on your screen. You do not have to repeat it out loud, because <laughs> I know you hate doing that, but I want you to read along with me if you want to whisper it, if you want to mouth it. I know some people do like this when they read anyways. So John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now to our text. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself, is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the world. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. That's a wonderful physical way just to honor the Word of God, just to bring honor to it. You've got some notes there. Let's learn something new from the Word of God here. My little children, he starts, he gives doctrine, he gives a brief synopsis of the God they already know, and then he says, I want to tell you who's writing. Someone who loves you so much like a father. Someone who probably was instrumental and prayed that sinner's prayer with you and laid hands on you and loved you and discipled you and uh, counseled you and brought you up in the things of God. Because John lives so long, most theologians believe that he pastored around 40 years. Around 40 years. And it's, it's very possibly pastored more than one church. My little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. Let me ask you a question. John presupposes spiritual fatherhood, authority, protection and shelter, that that is a part of the local church. So here's my question to you. Do you have a spiritual father and or mother? Do you have a spiritual father and or mother? I hope you say yes. You may not. You may be older in the Lord. And you say, that's what I'm asking God to make me. That's what I'm asking God to make me. Because he says, my little children, that he supposes, he knows that you must have spiritual covering, that you must have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the house of the Lord. So number one in your notes, spiritual oversight brings spiritual health. Well, Stephen, this is, of course, you're the pastor. You're going to say that. Let me turn this around. Most of my life, I was thinking about this this week, the vast majority of my life, I've had spiritual covering. There have been very few times in my life that I really just didn't have any godly leadership over me. They were short seasons, and I will tell you 100% without a doubt, save the grace of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it is the single factor for my success or my working success. It's a work in progress, aren't we all? <laughs> the single greatest factor is that I have always had men that covered me, that prayed for me, that I was submitted to, that I was real with. I have always sought out in my life. And in fact, the Lord never called me anywhere. Remember, I've lived all over, uh, four states, five states, and, um, and missions all over. Everywhere I went, the Lord had prepared covering for me. Everywhere God's people went, there was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Not one time were God's people uncovered. Uncovering is a horrible thing. Spiritual orphans are everywhere in our culture and society. It is a horrible, horrible feeling and a horrible thing. Spiritual oversight brings spiritual health. John says, My little children, when you have oversight, he said, You've been under me, and this is gonna help you to stay out of sin. I'm this is gonna help you to be spiritually healthy. Let me show you what David said in Psalm 68 and why it's such a big deal. So remember King David. Everything's going so great for him. He kills the he kills the giant. He marries the king's daughter. They don't have to pay taxes. Enough said. Done. Done. Doesn't get any better than that. Tax-free. Everything's so great. Until Saul the king, that covering turned on him and tried to kill him. Go read in your Bible. When Saul went at him and tried to kill him, where is the first place David ran to? He didn't run home. It doesn't seem to have a great relationship there. Plus, his brothers would have just made fun of him. It's true. They were hard on him. Where did King David run the moment he lost his covering? He took off and he went to Ramah, to Samuel the prophet, because young David had lost it. Uncovered, it wasn't there anymore. That covering turned on him. And the first place he went, he ran to Samuel. I've got to have a covering over me. The king, the future king said that. You want to be exalted, you want to be king, learn to live under cover. Amen. Now listen to what that man said in Psalm 68. Psalm 68, 5 and 6. A father of the fatherless and defender of widows. If you feel unfathered, or if you feel like a widow, he is for you. He is there is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He does not want anyone to not have a family. He wants everyone to be in a family. Does it say that? He sets the solitary in families. He wants you in a family. He brings out those who are bound. That's another picture of bondage and solitary, being in solitude, into prosperity. But what does it say right there? The rebellious live where? Don't live there. Don't live in a dry. It literally is, means a sun-scorched land. You know, seen those pictures in the desert when the earth is all cracked up into little pieces? That's the picture. Don't live there. God does not want you to live there. Let me tell you the great, the great work of one of the enemies in our culture. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. Be your own person. Live free. Jesus is the only one who gives you all of those things. But the world says they have it. They don't have any of that. Jesus has that. He's the only one who has that. Amen? Amen. You see that diabolical work there? Especially if you're younger, under 40, and that, you know, that's what you've been shoved down your throat, those lies. So number one, spiritual oversight brings spiritual health. And I want you to be spiritually healthy. God wants you to be spiritually healthy. He is the Father who loves you. He is the Father who loves you. So a few weeks ago, uh, we had a little girl, uh, Ellie. She had a, um, a, an appendix problem. And so it was during this quarantine. And long story short, she had, her, she had to have her appendix removed. God took care of her. Everything was great. She's fine now. But just for a very short time, those few days, and it was a minor surgery, you know, it's not a major thing. Like these people go through that have kids who have cancer and all those horrible things. Um, she lost some weight and she threw up and she couldn't really eat. So she loses like four pounds. No big deal, except for her. Even seeing my own daughter just lose four pounds and and be not her vibrant self, not her normal, healthy self. And she looked kind of gangly and her she's dark colored and she had lost her color and she just you could tell oh it just doesn't look right it's heartbreaking it you know don't you parents it's heartbreaking the father loves you he wants you to be healthy spiritually don't live as an orphan in any area of your life don't live saying i don't need them i don't need this be covered amen let's keep looking here back to our john 1 He continues and says, and if anyone sins, comma, a smile comes on your face, we have an advocate. That's a legal term, of course, because God is the judge of the universe. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have an advocate one who steps in in the court of law, who speaks for us, whose authority is great, whose knowledge is complete, and this one that speaks for us is righteous. I don't know about you, but I'm already feeling better and sleeping better at night. Let me tell you what John the father wanted his children to understand. Number two on your notes. Security is the creed of believers. Come on, who got it right? Whoever snickered just then got it right. Like I knew it. I knew what it was. If you're new with us, everybody plays a game that tries to fill in the blank and figure out what the pastor's saying. You get a ham at the end of the year if you get them all right. I'm, I'm joking. You don't actually. You get them right. I'll give you a ham. That's fine. You know what? The only bad feeling about that is sometimes they fill them in with the wrong thing. But I look at them like that's a better word than mine. Dang, should have thought of that. God, that was good security is our creed. Security is who God has made us. He's made us secure in him. Nothing removes us from him. He's the advocate. Not, let me tell you what the attack on the church, your local life, your heart, and your mind is, is to get you in a place of insecurity and fear. Right? Right? It is constantly to get you in a place of insecurity because God has given you security. Immovable. It's not only earthly security, it's what? Eternal security. It's eternal, set in heaven. Let's see what the Bible says. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him, you also trusted, after you heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed you were sealed, that means to press into to make a, a um, an indention to sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee well look at someone say guarantee guarantee of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. To the praise of his glory. So now, Paul the Father is saying, Children, I want you to have security. Just like John the Father is saying, sending letters to his children, you are secure in him. None of us should walk around in perpetual insecurity. God has given it to us. If you walk, I was thinking about this, I wonder how many, and I haven't had that many attacks in my life and all those things. They were really to attack my security and who I am in Christ. And I say this now, look, I dealt with insecurity for years, years. And it tries to come up every once in a while. I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Come on, this is what the Lord said. Who's going to believe the report of the Lord? Amen. Security, it's our creed. It's our motto. It's who we are. One more here. 2 Corinthians 1.21. Now he who establishes you that's security, establishes you with, establishes us, excuse me, with you in Christ and has anointed us in God who has, who also has sealed us, there's that word again, and given us the spirit in our hearts as a what? I like that. Y'all said that. We do say guarantee the best here in Cajunville, don't we? Guarantee. You have guaranteed this, God, and you're not a man that you should lie. I walk in your security. It's not arrogance. It's not pride. It actually drives us to the ground that he would give this to us sinners, right? In your security. So we don't have to live in any form of insecurity. All right, let's look at one more. Verse 2, we're back in John, 1 John. And he himself is the propitiation, and I put in there because that's a word we don't use a lot, the sacrifice, the price paid in full. The atoning sacrifice is the literal word. For our sins. And not for ours only, he adds something there. Okay, we, we know that. These people knew that, right? Where they, He's writing to the church, right? And not for ours only, and he adds something. Not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Hmm. Not for yours only, but remember, you live in security. You live in confidence. You live in guarantee. But those without Christ do not. And don't ever forget that. And don't ever forget them. Don't ever forget that. That God has given you this great gift. And don't ever forget the misery. That the world has. Because they have not Christ. Number three on your notes. Always have evangelism. In your vocabulary. The father says I love you children. I love you. But I want you to remember. There's a world. Lost. And there's people that don't know me. And I've sent you to tell them, right? I've sent you to think about them. And he didn't have to put that in there. God wanted that in there. God wanted us to be looking at this right now and saying, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. The world has always been in the heart of God. His heart beats with it. What's the most famous scripture in the Bible? Now, this is a subjective question, but... What's the most famous scripture that most people know, even people who aren't saved? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, look at it right here, John three sixteen. You know it. For God so loved the who who what what is this? John what John. John, again, the Father, is saying, I want to tell you, the Father, Heavenly Father, that I've known for years and years and years and years and served, that I was caught up so much in the third heaven, I couldn't even tell where I was in the body or not, the revelations that come to him from the book of Revelation, he's so close to God, all of these things, he's saying, for God so loved the world, I know the heart of the Father, I've touched Jesus Christ, I've handled Him, I've seen Him, I know Him in, in ways many ways, we couldn't understand because he's he seen them, he's touched them. And God loves the world. Always have evangelism in your vocabulary. Because John did. I never really looked at that. I thought, you know, John always had evangelism in his vocabulary. He was always thinking about the lost. Even though he loved his children dearly, he knew the God who left the 99 because they were secure. He could, you can leave children that are older and secure, right? Can't leave babies. He leaves the ninety-nine because they're secure, and they know who they are and they're safe. To go find the one, it was in God, John's vocabulary, because it's in the heart of the Father, and it needs to be in us. Amen. It needs to be in us. Let's stand up. There is a caveat to this. John continues it with a bit of a warning. He says, listen, don't harden your heart in this hard world. This is a hard world. It's been harder for us in the last many weeks, right? But if you harden your heart in one area, you will harden your heart in many areas. Nothing stays in a vacuum. The Bible talks about that, right? A little little leaven. It'll get all over the place, all, all over that. So I want to encourage you. So we just spend a little time with Jesus. As we've heard words from a Father. Oh, He loves you. He wants to give security to you. He wants you to have covering. If you don't have a spiritual covering, there's one here, but also specifically. If you say, you know, I've spent a lot of my life feeling like a spiritual orphan. God will bring you, I promise you, I know. God will bring you spiritual covering. Older women in the Lord to love you, ladies. To mature you. To direct you. To encourage you. Not to fuss at you. Not to condemn you. To grow you up in the things of the Lord. He'll do the same thing, men. I don't care your age. They'll love you. Mature you grow you up, cover you. It's a it's a wonderful feeling to be covered. Oh, the feeling of covering. He wants that for all of you. He wants and with that covering, he brings security through Jesus. We're just going to spend a few minutes just with Jesus. You can too. let's dim the lights. We got a little extra time. It ended early. We're going to pray the Holy Spirit speaks to you. This is His time. Just close your eyes where you can sit, stand, whatever you need to do. Be comfortable. We're going to ask right now. If we ask, the Bible says we'll receive. So all of you ask with me. Holy Spirit, would you come? We're going to sit quietly just for a few minutes. We're not distracted children. We're focused on you. Would you speak? Would you speak to your people? Just a few more minutes with Him. Just let Him speak to you. Let Him quiet the storms. Let Him bring security and safety by the Holy Spirit. Let Him give you answers you've been asking for. As we reverence the Lord And that we know that the Lord moves and speaks We love you too Tell me your name one more time Tell me your name one more time Seth, that's right Seth, as we were doing worship I looked over and your hand was raised It shouldn't be Everything you've been through Your heart should be so hard And you should hate the things of God And the house of God But you don't Because God has put his heart in you. It's greater than the home you grew up in. It's greater than the pain and difficulty. It is God's heart in you. And you next to him were worshiping too. You shouldn't be either. You should be hard and bitter at authority and everything else in this world. But you're not. You are tender to the things of God. And you want to serve him. Even though many of your friends in your generation says, I don't care but not you because God has put His heart in you. As He said in Psalms 33, I will put my heart in every generation and everything you've been through will be nothing but praise and testimony for how great God is and how He's greater than your upbringing, how He's greater than hurt when people hurt you, when authority turns on you. He is greater. He's a father to the fatherless and He will set you in a family. You are not lacking. You have Him. And he is all in all. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for this son of God. This man who you've made. Yours. In Jesus' name. a sweet presence just a few more minutes you just need to be wrapped in the arms of the father you need rest from long weariness let him just give you rest many of you are heavy laden just like God's people in Egypt had been in bondage for over 400 years and they walked out of there and they were under that cloud by day that pillar of fire by night it was not just a physical cloud but it was the Holy Spirit just peeling off 400 years of bad identity and misery and pain and hurt And difficulty. It was years and years the Lord just peeling off layer after layer of all that junk. That hateful words. And all those things. Because when those people went into the promised land, they went in there healed. They went in there whole. They went in there with the holiness of of Mount Sinai. And God wants to do the same thing to you. Forever, how long, if it's been weeks or even years, the Lord wants to peel that off of you. You just get under His cloud and let the Father just peel that off of you. Right now, in the name of Jesus, the name above every name, Lord, remove bondages and burdens and stresses right now. Right now over your people, Lord. Let that cloud, Lord, just come over them right now. And peel off the works of the enemy. Peel off the hardness and the wickedness of this world. Just peel it off of them, Lord. New skin. New, Lord. New, new, new. Not that sun-scorched skin of a hard life. Peel it off of them, Lord. For they are new creations in you. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Receive it. Receive it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. stay right here let's live. we're in just like that lift your hands Larry Larry's got seven kids grown Larry just pray a fatherly blessing into us out just pray over us Amen. Come on, praise Him. Amen and amen and amen. Come on. Come on. Hear the voice of the Father. He's for you. He loves you. He's for us. Come on, if God is for us, who can be against us? When you walk out of those doors, He's with you and He's for you. Amen. Come on, be filled with faith. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful day. If anyone needs prayer for any reason, we will be up here.